Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The year gone by will be remembered by most farmers as an excellent year for tillage farmers. However, the year wasn't without its ups and downs in terms of weather and other events. So in this podcast, we'll take a look back at 2021 and how it treated tillage farmers. I'm delighted to be joined today by Shay Phelan and Kieran Collins, both tillage specialists in Chagas, to look back on the highs and lows through 2021. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Kieran, I want to come to you first, and maybe we can recap a little bit as regards the crops and how they went into the ground in the autumn of 2020. Yeah, I suppose, Michael, ultimately we did achieve a very good area, you know, like between wheat, barley and oats, they were all, you know, barley was up at 67 odd thousand hectares, oats in around 14 and wheat at 56 thereabouts, you know. So I suppose crops got planted in the autumn, but it wasn't an easy autumn and it was a it was a far cry from, we'll say, the autumn that we've had this year, you know. Um, it was, you know, it was cool, wet and, you know, there were sort of patchy sowing opportunities, but I suppose ultimately it all did get done. And I suppose in, in reasonably good conditions, you could say, you know. Okay, so so then we we had crops that were looking pretty well for the most part heading into the winter. How did it come out of the winter? Was there any issues in terms of waterlogging or other kind of damage coming out? Again, almost despite the weather in some ways, because, you know, November was mild, but particularly in the south, actually, um, it was very wet. And like, you know, the the, the last uh, cereals were sown there in sort of early November and there wasn't anything sown after that, especially in the south where it was quite wet. It was more normal in, in the northeast. But I remember December was cool and wet, you know, and, and windy as well. And, you know, January was, was, was something similar. So, you know, I suppose while I suppose the establishment was generally good. Now, there was certainly some water logging in that. But in general, I think crops came out of the winter in reasonably good shape. OK, so you'd relatively full crops kind of from ditch to ditch for, for, for the most part. But we had that. In the um, most part, yeah. Michael. Yeah. And I suppose, look, we, we started off the spring. You know, it was, I suppose, January, February, there wasn't any field work done, but March then became very dry and mild. And as we remember, then April was really cool, you know, and growth was a bit slow there for a while, okay. you know. So, Shay, I might just bring you in there. And as Kieran mentioned, you had, we had this very cool start off to, to the spring and, and, you know, thinking about the spring plantings. How, how did that affect the spring plantings and the establishment thereafter? Yeah, as, as, as you say, Michael, as Kieran rightly said, it, it was cool and, and uh, relatively dry in in March and April, um, and it continued into May. Actually, it was actually quite cool in May as well. But from the point of view of planting, I suppose for for most guys, certainly in the Midlands area, anyway, there was a kind of a week of opportunity at the beginning of March, where there was quite a bit of planting done. Actually, um, we had a couple of dry days, and guys certainly on lighter soils uh, made use of the opportunity to get to get some of those fields planted. But for the bulk of the spring cereals, if you like, or spring crops, uh, planting really didn't start until probably the last 10 days of, of March. And it continued then into, into April. And as, as you went further up the country into some of that heavier ground, you went further into April even still. So for the most part, they went in in, in relatively good dry conditions and most crops got rolled straight after drilling and, and so on and so forth. And where, where people were applying pre-emergence herbicides onto the likes of field beans or peas that that they were able to do that quite quite readily um i suppose the problem that a lot of guys encountered was that kind of slow emergence and, and early growth uh, and especially for something like spring barley where you need 
where you need kind of warm temperatures and and the and the, and the season warming up and soils warming up as they begin to grow and tiller. Um, so for a lot of those crops, the spring barley crops in particular, they struggled, and particularly the later you drill them, the more they tended to struggle um, during that early period. And I suppose what typified a lot of it was we saw quite a few um, uh, stresses in, in crops, particularly trace element stresses. Um, and, you know, guys were applying a lot of trace elements to those crops in that early period. So, so, so Shay, Shay was, that, was that to do with the dry conditions or was that to do with, with how cold it was or, or, or a bit of both? A bit of both, I would imagine, Michael, that um, they just didn't seem to get up and get going, even though particularly spring barley, you know, especially the malting guys would have nitrogen on quite early. Um, as soon as they actually can see the tram lines to get them get them going, some of those crops just didn't seem to to get there uh, or to get going as 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 quickly as you would like. So they were trying to encourage them along with with, with trace elements to trying to get them to tiller, especially in that crucial tillering period in in late April, early May, where it was quite dry. It was it was cool, so you know crops were under quite a bit of pressure at, at that stage. But as I say, thankfully later on the season it got a bit kinder and, and they, they managed to catch up. So Kieran, can I go back to you? Just switching back around to, again, those those cool, dry conditions in terms of the, the winter crops. Did, did that affect, or maybe even the spring crops, I suppose, but did that affect field work in terms of trying to get some of the agronomic um, inputs applied to those crops? And and I suppose maybe the other side of that then was there, if it was difficult, was there any damage um, done at that stage? Yeah, it was difficult, certainly. And I suppose for memory, really, the late frosts were, 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 were the big issue at the time, you know. Um, and that certainly for applying the likes of growth regulator on, on, on some of the winter cereals, that was certainly a factor. And, you know, there were cases where people, you know, I, I remember just didn't do it. And even if you work always into, I remember even fine growth regulators on winter barley, there was certainly a question at the time because the nights were so cold. So certainly it did impact on field work. Funnily enough, in terms of disease in barley, um, while it was a little bit syrinco early in the season, I suppose the dryness really, uh, we had relatively clean crops, which which was a, a positive of the weather. Um, now, we did have yellow rust in, in, in winter wheat, and that, that was certainly a feature. But then Septoria, particularly early in the season, wasn't a, a, a massive challenge. So um, I suppose overall, look, the, the, the disease levels were, were generally, I would say, low for, for the most part of the season. Okay. And in, in terms of the damage you mentioned there a second ago, I, I know there was some talk of a, a bit of damage to oats. Was that generally widespread or was it confined a bit? Uh, I'd say it was confined, Michael. Um, you know, I know there were some cases reported in the in the media and that, uh, and certainly there was damage done to those crops. But I suppose, you know, when you look at the, the harvest yields, oats actually, winter oats had a record yield overall. So I suppose the impact, you know, overall was, was, was probably quite small. Um, one noticeable thing, I suppose, while winter barley again had an excellent year, there were certainly some areas, particularly in the south, where some of those yields were a little bit disappointing. And possibly that was to do with some late frosts in, in more advanced crops at the time, maybe where, where the grains per year maybe wasn't where, where it should be. But again, look, winter barley had a great year and they were probably limited enough cases, I would say, Michael. OK. And talking about oats, then we had um, a, a, a new scheme this year, Kieran, the, the Strong Corporation scheme, and oats were certainly featured very heavily in that. How, how well was that taken up? And... I suppose looking looking at it back now through the year with the straw that was incorporated into the soil and that, would we consider it or is it considered, I suppose, maybe a, a success? 
I, I would think in general terms, it, w- it would have been considered a success, I suppose. You know, and we, we have a lot to learn about, you know, incorporation, I suppose, and particularly can be difficult. We have high volumes of straw like we had this year, you know, and getting a good even spread across the, the combine header width and uh, and getting that incorporated afterwards. But I think in terms, I think the scheme could be regarded as a success in terms of there was 10 million uh, available and eight and a half, nine million of that was was that was actually spent. So you know, farmers um, looked for it and 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 it was there. Um, I suppose the other thing that I think demand and supply were kind of well matched this year as well. And I would feel personally that the strong corporation scheme didn't really create any deficit in the market. And that was probably a concern when you when you introduce a scheme like this. So I think overall, in terms of you know, as the support to the Irish tillage farmer. And also, you know, in terms of the the soil health benefits of of chopping straw, I, I think it could be regarded as a success. And and I don't think I heard too many farmers giving out about the difficulty incorporating it or getting the next crops in or, or that kind of thing either. No, in general, I, I I don't think it was an issue. Some people maybe where they had uh, catch crops or that so and found that, you know, with the shallow cultivations, maybe some of the catch crops didn't establish maybe as they would like. But again, I think there's a bit of a learning process there in that, you know, there was there was high volumes of straw this year. And, you know, I suppose just getting the, as I said already, just getting the getting it spread and incorporated correctly is uh, can be a challenge sometimes. OK. And Shay, just coming back to the year in the background, I suppose, if we were to look back, at maybe this time last year, um, the grain prices were probably, I don't know, probably 40, 50, maybe even 60 euros a ton less than, than, than we are, or we could be quoted this year. Um, but in the background, those grain markets started to rise, I suppose, from the start of the year. How tempted were farmers to sell grain forward? And do you think there was much done, uh, I suppose, by the time people got to harvest? Yeah, it was one of those peculiar years, Michael, where, as you rightly say, um, there were forward prices offered to growers this time last year and there's a small uptake on it I suppose apart from maybe some people on malt and barley who in a lot of cases maybe would have forward sold maybe 10, 15, even 20% of their allocated tonnage that they were going to grow and they they would have forward sold at this time last year and there was quite a bit of uptake of that um, at that stage but as you rightly said throughout the spring um, uh, prices started to rise and they continued to, to rise all during the spring and I suppose the one difficulty or one thing that farmers always find difficult to do is to sell into a rising market, no different than anybody else. So I think while some guys may have taken a small bit of, 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 of the prices during the spring, most, I think, would have left them there till, till they saw how they were going, uh, getting closer to harvest. Uh, and I would say most people at this stage or at, uh, during the year left the bulk of their, their crop to sell at harvest and for i suppose it's the one year out of the last six or seven or eight years that it actually paid to do so normally you would see the trend going the other way as close as you get to harvest and shortly after harvest the price actually drops but this is one of those few years whereby they were it paid them to not sell anything until harvest time now whether that's an indication for years for for, for the future is another thing entirely but certainly this year it did did pay them to leave it there I suppose what comes to mind there, Shay, is a, like all the financial um, uh, financial products that you hear about on the uh, on the radio. It generally comes up with uh, past performance as no indicator of future performance. Exactly. <laughs> yes. A, exactly. Yes. That would be a scenario here. Shay, just just to, I want to just click, uh, just jump back a little bit, maybe into the, the agronomic growing season, and she, and uh, Kieran mentioned just a little bit. Um, just in terms of the overall disease, how are we going to look back on twenty twenty one? Was it a 
a high year, a low year? Did farmer practice, was that pretty good? Or were we just, you know, I, I suppose benefit from the weather that, that happened all the way through the year? Yeah, I think, um, as Kieran said, Michael, the, the disease pressure, if you take that as, as, as one topic in itself, in itself, it was a low year. And that's predominantly because um, we had a dry start to the spring um, and disease spread at the spring was, was quite quite slow um, apart from maybe a bit of rinkosporium in winter barley but as we went through April um, we got a very dry April for most parts of the country which was well below normal and that generally sets the scene for you know if you're going to have a high disease year now May actually turned out to be quite wet um, but luckily enough we were able to get a lot of the work done in the windows that we were that we got at the time so any spraying that needed to be done was done but that said um, with a few exceptions, like yellow rust was a big problem for some growers this year, um, especially in the northeast and the drier parts of the country where they had susceptible varieties. Whereas down in Cork, they certainly are, and the south, they probably would have had more pressure from septoria on winter wheat. But in general, I would say most crops were not cleaner. Certainly, uh, looking at oats, I, I don't, I don't remember a year where I saw as little disease on oats as I've seen this year. Um, so I would say overall. Given it was a tricky year to get work done, um, given the cold and, 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 and everything that Kieran has said already, I would think most guys would look back at it fairly favourably and say that they got work done when they needed to get it done, even though it probably wasn't the same pressure as we would have seen over the years. Okay. And maybe just to, to, to square out the year, Kieran, um, just in terms of the uh, the agronomic side of the house, there was issues around black grass that, that were, uh, I suppose, uh, we in Chagas and others were trying to hide it all the way through the season and there was there was a, an issue certainly around Oak Park and you might remind us about that. But also in Oak Park, there was um, the open day there and maybe you might give us maybe just one highlight that you kind of thought that that, that growers should really bring away from that or maybe for, even from your own point of view. Yeah, I suppose, you know, the, as you mentioned, the, the black on the blackgrass one, you know, where we're turned up in a wildflower mix in, in Oak Park and thanks to the vigilance of the farm manager, John Hogan, there for, for copying it, you know. And I suppose that just, for me, I suppose, really, that we just need to be aware of the issue of blackgrass all the time and where it can turn up, you know, and, and walk in our crops, in, particularly in June and July before harvest, you know. Um, it's zero tolerance weed. We just, you know, we, we can't have any threshold there, and I suppose was you know and that was highlighted strongly at the open day as well in fairness um i suppose in terms of a highlight for me from the open day and i'm going to pick the stand i was on because i think you know we're in an era where ipm integrated pest management is just so so important and i think it's kind of heartening to see some of the ipm um uh, methods that are available to us now or that are in development i should say really like the suction towers in terms of um of, of monitoring uh, aphid flight and that so you know that and we know that in time we'll be able to give farmers assurances or you know that look it there you know in terms of of when aphids start moving and that as to whether they need to apply an insecticide and that so i think that would have been a kind of a highlight for me in terms of uh, an ipm measure that's that's becoming available Available to farmers. Okay, and then we kind of slip into harvest, and uh, I think a lot of people will probably look back on, on it uh, with, uh, I, I suppose, um, a uh, an eye to was probably a relatively easy harvest. But maybe here, you might maybe trace through that harvest. What was it? Was it all that good, or was it was there a bit stop starty? 
Yeah, I suppose, look, the, the, the proof of the pudding was we produced, you know, 2.3 million tonnes from, I think, is around 274,000 uh, hectares there of cereals, which, which was exceptional. I mean, we started with winter barley, you know, yields were, were, were excellent. Uh, I think the overall average yield was 9.4 tonnes per hectare there. Um, you know, all crops yielded above the five-year average, you know, as I said already, with a record yield for for winter oats i mean winter winter wheat at, at 10.8 tons so look as, as she kind of said there the wet and windy may you know fills the barns and that sort of uh came through this year i think um combined with a lot of other things you know weather was in our favor and and certainly disease pressure was was low in terms of a harvest i mean We've 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 got to the harvest a lot of years, you know, with, with good potential and, and we've lost a lot of that through difficult weather, particularly in the month of August. And and this year, thankfully, you know, we had really good harvest weather. I mean, some of the winter barley was was harvested down as low as 14% moisture. So, you know, I think overall it was a relatively easy harvest. The weather was kind, you know, and then straw was gathered and baled without too much additional costs as well. So one to remember, I think, Michael. Okay. So Shay, everyone had a smile on their face by the time they were finished harvest. Um, this rolled in reasonably well into the planting season. You might maybe just bring us through that in terms of was there any great difficulties or was it was it again one of those years that might be remembered for geez, it all went to plan? Yeah, I suppose while the harvest report or, or the, the output that we that we were seeing this year, uh, Michael shows that we, we produced about 2.3 million tonnes, which as Kieran said, most crops were above the five-year average. There was huge fluctuations within that. Um, and I suppose while, it, it, while most people would certainly would have been happy with the harvest, there would have been guys who would have you know, had different fields who for whatever reason just didn't perform as well as they would have liked. Um, and I certainly know that early in early in the in the spring barley harvest, there were certainly some crops that were weren't as good as you would, as people would have liked. So while in general the whole country would have been happy, if you like, with the, the harvest that they had, there were instances where our crops that just weren't as good as what you would like. But that said, as you say, most fellas then turned around and um I suppose they drilled their catch crops or whatever it is, and most of those got up to got off to a great start and are looking quite well now. And that continued on into September. September was uh, by and large a very dry and warm month. And from about the middle of September on, we started to hear stories about drills starting to roll uh, and guys starting to get some of that winter crops established. Um, and that continued to pace right through September and into October. And I would say that for a lot of guys, they finished drilling this year earlier than they've ever done before. Um, and certainly like um, even, even crops like potatoes, where guys were trying to get out potatoes, that didn't seem to hold them up, with the exception of guys up in the north. Um, the lifting of potato crops didn't seem to to, to delay guys planting at all. Um, and I would say, by and large, most guys had pretty much all the crops uh, drilled, rolled, and in a lot of cases sprayed by the middle of middle of October, which is unheard of. Um, so those crops are now looking quite well. For the most part, they're well established. There are a few cases of, of damage, be it with slugs and things like that, but for the most part, those crops are looking quite well now. So, Shay, the, the, the fertilizer prices started to rise, I suppose, towards the early autumn. Um, but obviously, there was good prices as well for grain as well. Do you think either of those factors um, affected farmers' intentions or what they actually did plant at the, at, at the end of the day? There was two things that happened, Michael. I suppose guys, 
as we said, we're in a kind of buoyant mood after the harvest that, that has just gone out. So they generally that kind of frames the minus of what they're going to do for the, for the coming crops. So crops that would have performed well, as we know, winter barley and winter wheat and winter oats perform quite well, as Kieran has said earlier on. So guys were going to always drill them. Um, and I suppose for the most part, guys would have had the seed um, ordered and received by probably the middle of September. Um, and once the, the seed ordered and bought, they were committed to, to drilling it then. And I suppose that the, the problem then was that fertilizers prices, we knew they were higher than what, where they had been for, for the most part in 2021. But it's only since I suppose they started drilling that the prices of fertilizers have really risen to the, to the level where they're at at the moment. Um, and I, and I, I think guys now are kind of in that kind of un, undesirable position where the crops are now drilled. But now they're having to go back and look at the fertilizer that they need to apply to put on those crops to get them to, to harvest next year. And that's where the, the crux of the matter is at the moment, that they, whether they would have made any difference or not, if, if guys had known the prices that were there at the moment, that were there now, that were going to be there uh, when they started drilling, whether that would have affected planting at the time, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it would, but certainly it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not desirable, I suppose, to have the fertilizer prices where they are now. But I suppose the only thing that is is offsetting that is the, is the grain price at the moment. And I do know some guys who are forward selling at the moment and are continuing to take a little bit. Uh, I know that Bort Malta and a couple of other companies have come out with relatively good forward prices for next year. And that certainly has alleviated those fertilizer increases. So um, for the most part, I suppose guys are, yes, they're, they're not happy with the fertilizer prices, but any of them that are availing of the high grain prices have mitigated against those to, to some extent. And of course, there was one crop there that that, that seems to have uh, jumped in acreage in comparison to everything else, which is also great. Um, considering the price was there, that's it's it, it's it's a it's a hungry kind of crop though. But how will that um, keep going for the year, Shane? We we reckon that there's about twenty five percent increase in in the area of oil, winter oil grape that's been planted this year. Uh, and again, thankfully, the the autumn has been very kind to that crop in particular. Um, and we have large canopies on that. But it's, the critical thing is from now until uh, early February or mid-February into early March and how that crop comes out of the winter at that stage. And as we know, if you have a crop there with a good green cover on it or a GAI of you know one and a half or two, whatever it is, you can actually cut down on the amount of fertilizer nitrogen that you need to apply to that crop. So it is one of those crops whereby there is a positive, um, given a, a significant positive, given the, the growth that it's had over the last couple of months in that you could see crops next year, which mightn't need very much fertilizer at all, or certainly would have an awful lot less fertilizer required, nitrogen fertilizer, that is, than, than would normally be the case. Okay, po a positive story there, certainly. Absolutely. Uh, for, for both of you, for, for Kieran and Shay, I, I might just ask both of you maybe to maybe look at maybe, uh, maybe one or two highlights or standout areas uh, that you will remember 2021 for. Maybe, Shay, you might, might go first. Yeah, I suppose, look at Michael, it's one of those few years as a tillage grower, whereby uh, I would say, with the exception of the cool weather in the spring, that all the ducks lined up for tillage farmers and that they got good prices, good, good yields and good harvesting conditions, which are critical as well. We've often seen years where we've had bumper crops, but we've had struggle, uh, struggle to harvest them. So that for me is the, is the standout for the year. And obviously that has a huge impact then on the, the financial rewards at the end of it. So people had a very lucrative um, year this year for, for the most part. Okay, and Kieran, I presume yours is something similar, but do you have anything else that you, that 
Yeah, you, 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 you can't go away from weather and price. I mean, they were the two things. And I think, you know, as Shea says, the, the weather just fell right in the spring in terms of May, and then we got the good weather in the harvest. And even down to it being cold and cool in, in, in November, December, January, which, you know, any untreated um, crops didn't suffer from BYDV. So it kind of was in our favour the whole way. And look, the price we got this year was obviously uh, way above average. So you mean positives all around there. Okay. And for me, I think there's a, there might be one other one, which I think is a, is a general acceptance in the industry that black grass is an issue. And um, that's it, it's, it's, if you have it, you do need to control it. And there's no point in trying to hide it under the bushel. You, do, you just need to control it. And, and uh, certainly there's lots of, uh, lots of help available there to, to help people out of that. Guys, I'm really uh, delighted that you could join me and um, have a look at the review of 2021. You certainly highlighted the, the, the major areas all the way through the year. And as you say, it'll be remembered as, as a good one, as I say. Kieran and Shay, thanks very much for joining me. So that's it for the Tillage Edge and my thanks to Kieran and Shay for joining me in the podcast. In a couple of weeks, we'll look forward to 2022 and discuss what the year may bring. So listen out for that one. Finally, don't forget if you like the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you next week with more Tillage news and advice.